0: Good evening and welcome to the Locked On Winnipeg Jets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Harrison Lee, an avid Winnipeg Jets fan and an online blogger. You can follow me on Twitter at Loco and follow our podcast Twitter at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets. As always, be sure to follow and subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform of choice, including Apple, Spotify, Google, and the Megaphone app. Subscribing is free and keeps you up to date on the latest and greatest in Winnipeg Jets news and analysis. Tonight's episode is brought to you by rockauto.com. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com. On tonight's episode, we are going to be continuing our 2020 NHL Draft Preview, and these are picks after pick number 15, based on Sportsnet's uh, rankings for prospects this year, especially in the first round. Now, again, as I've said in other episodes, or at least implied in other episodes, my rankings probably would be different from theirs, but I just kind of wanted to take a look at some of the prospects that they highlighted that might be in uh, Winnipeg's pick range should the Jets kind of get eliminated early in the postseason run. Last night, we left off with uh, Yaka Perot from the Sarnia Sting, and tonight we are going to be picking up at number 25th overall in this list, William Volander, a defenseman from Moto, Volander's kind of an interesting prospect for a variety of reasons, and the first is that he is massive. He's like Tyler Myers, big, but uh, a little bit thinner and more on the lankier side than he is a a big, buffy, uh, you know, kind of Bufflin style of, of physical presence. Now Wallander is a somewhat unique player in the sense that he has extreme mobility for a dude his size. If you've checked out the Will Scouting, uh, and this is at Scouting on Twitter, uh, Scouting Report Number Thirteen on William Wallander there's a lot of footage from when Will actually went through and scouted Wallander himself. Uh, And and the footage there is pretty unique because a lot of times it's hard to find Swedish League footage, especially with highlights that show um, specific elements of Wallander's game that maybe need some work. If you want a really in-depth look at all of the different traits, be sure to check out uh, Will's work. It's really cool. And he had a really good perspective on Wallander, and that, that was something that I appreciated because it looks like Wallander is a really mobile offensive defenseman in the modern mold. Now, from what I could tell, he has really good edge work that's very strong, he's got great acceleration, a really surprising top-end gear, and is very smooth edge work and good puck control. And then he's often in in jumping into offensive breakouts, leading offensive rushes, and providing some decent scoring potential from a deeper position towards uh, the center of the ice. Now, he's not exactly somebody who's going to uh, attack like a Jacob Chuba necessarily, but he's more like, I think Tyler Myers is stylistically the closest I can think of. I don't think that his shot is insanely hard from what I could tell, but he does possess really good vision, and I feel like, generally speaking, he's pretty strong on the puck, and he's very uh, you know, likely to find a good linemate in a decent position with quality passing. He's always looking to change his positioning in the offensive zone to set up either himself or his teammates, and he just all around seems to be a very potent offensive force, especially for a 17-year-old of his size. Will did note that Wallander's, one of his bigger issues is his defensive game, which at his best, he can be very strong on the puck, very good at um, spearheading defensive zone exits and finding good outlets. But he also has a tendency, if he's in front of the net, you know, when he's locked in, he's very good at clearing that area out and maintaining a strong presence to keep opposing scores from getting easy lanes to the net. But when he was with his junior team, he did seem to have issues, possibly due to the the coaching and and the team itself. Um, Kind of abandoning abandoning his defensive uh, responsibilities, not really man-marking effectively, and just kind of wandering off on his own, which is uh, something that you do see sometimes with players who cheat, although Will thought that this was probably more a systemic issue because... When Wallander got promoted to the Moto men's team, it was a much different game from him. He played a more conservative, more resilient style that you would probably find in a pro men's league, which is, you know, very impressive for a kid his age, especially in a pretty tough league that is the SHL. I would say that Wallander definitely has top-four potential. He is definitely a player who's going to require a lot of work just because there are definitely consistency issues, and I feel like he does need to bulk up and, and gain physicality. And I'd also like to see uh, a little work on his release because I feel like his shooting is it's it's good. It's just not really the kind of shooting that you would find in a pro-level hockey league. Now, again, he is like 17 years old, right? So take some of this with a bit of a grain of salt. I think, though, that he has a phenomenal set of tools, and if he pans out, he could be an absolute menace in the, uh, the NHL or just the general North American circuit. He's a huge kid, big wingspan, very smooth skater, very fast and mobile, and he's got a pretty good head on his shoulders when he knows when to, uh, when to press the advantage, and good spatial awareness to know where he needs to be to set up better shooting lanes and send his line mates up. He definitely has some boomer bust potential, but his boom potential is very high. I I think that he could be something real special if he's able to work on some of his consistency and develop his offensive talents a little bit more. In the under 20 circuit in t- 37 games, he posted 24 points, which is pretty nuts for a, you know a 17-year-old prospect. Um, Of course, his offensive production did take a noticeable dip when he moved to Osvenskan, but that's not really surprising because, again, he had to take more conservative approaches, and I feel like they they tried to cheat less on offense to get breakouts going. He's kind of ranked all over the board by a number of different scouting agencies. He's as low as 57 from McKean's and as high as 19th by hockeyprospect.com. So there's uh, quite a few different general opinions on this one. Elite Prospects has him at 25th overall which is roughly where he is on Sportsnet's list. So I, I'm definitely interested to see if somebody takes a flyer on him. I think that there's a lot of talent here. And again, you know, a left-shooting six foot four defenseman who has extreme mobility, bit of a decent shot, uh, and, and generally good offensive IQ is something that I think is not particularly common. There's a lot to like in his game, and again, he is still pretty raw, um, but he is also 17 years old, so... The tools are there to be a fascinating prospect. If he doesn't pan out, I could see him being like an interesting seventh defenseman, especially if he needs, you know, a lot of sheltering and kind of controlled usage on, say, like the power play and in limited situations on even strength, where he can provide some offense, but you know is allowed to take a few more chances. That said, I think what scouching had on his report was that he's somebody who doesn't really make bad plays very often and tries to make more safe outlets than anything, which I think at that age is a, is a good trait to have and something that I think at the NHL level would be greatly appreciated. So I'm really hoping that if he if he continues to develop and hone his, really his talents and tool sets, he'll be an effective NHLer in a top four role. Speaking of honing your tool sets, by now you've probably had to work on your car once or twice in your life, unless you've taken it to a shop or, you know, gone to a parts store and bought the stuff to give to somebody else and fix your car up. We all know that car parts can be extremely expensive, and that's why rockauto.com is here to help. RockAuto.com is a family-owned business with over 20 years of experience in the automotive industry. They've got exactly what you need, including engine control modules, brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, even new floor carpeting for when that family member decides to spill a little bit of barbecue sauce on the floor. RockAuto.com's prices are also rock bottom, saving you time, money, and the hassle of dealing with a retail auto parts store, especially during quarantine you could save anywhere from 30 to 50% against retail pricing. And rockauto.com's filters will easily help you select your car model, make, year, and parts associated with that car. Whether you're an automotive enthusiast or a newbie in car ownership just looking for a few replacement parts, rockauto.com has everything you need. If you place an order, when you get to the rockauto.com how did you hear about us box, be sure to write locked on and let us know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. Up next on Sportsnet's list, at 26th overall, we have Noel Gundler, uh, a right wing from Lulia in Sweden. Now, Gundler is a massively talented goalscorer. This dude, you know, there's not a whole lot of footage out there on him, and some of the reports have cited some inconsistency, but man, this dude, anytime I've been able to find anything on him... He's just an absolute menace in the offensive zone. I think one of the first things that immediately pops out is how fast he is at getting into spaces where he knows he can create something. It's, you know, some of the comments on, like, his YouTube videos are like, well, you know, a lot of his goals are breakaways and isolated situations. You know, how would that translate at the pro level? And the thing is... Gundler's the one who's creating those spaces, whether he's getting a breakaway by stripping the puck from a tenacious effort or just getting into, like, a central channel where one of his linemates can feed him because he thinks that there's an opportunity to essentially aggressively cut inside and get a step on the defender's He's the one who's actually being able to get into those spaces and attack aggressively. He's basically going in one direction, and I think that that is abundantly clear from the way that he's constantly pushing forward. He's got a very aggressive mindset, and he's always looking for the net. Now that doesn't mean that he's going to shoot every single time, what I thought that stood out is that he's got very good vision, and his distribution, especially with a little bit of flair, is just amazing for his age. He's extremely comfortable with very subtle passes where he just sort of lays it off to one of his line mates behind him, he's comfortable doing a cross seam movement pass, he's got all of the tools, he's got a little bit of stick handling, and his release is to die for. His shot just seems to explode off of his stick, and he can draw it a little bit in the same motion that Laine can. Not exactly to the same extent, because, of course, Laine's release is almost one of a kind, but there is some serious whip on that stick, and and this kid is just really talented. I I really like the way that he skates in. I think that he's got nice acceleration. He's got a good, powerful stride, and it just seems like he knows how to fool defenders into really kind of letting off steam, and then he just explodes and attacks the net. Sometimes it seems like he's got eyes in the back of his head, too. And if he, you know, works on his consistency and develops his game and starts to work on on getting into those dirtier areas where he can create even more opportunities, I think that you're looking at a very clear top-end prospect with a ton of scoring upside and easy top-six scoring potential. Gundler's scary, and I feel like anyone who underestimates this kid is going to absolutely regret it if they don't get him uh, in their draft picks. Most of the uh, most of the scouting agencies have him in the top 15, some as high as top 10, but he definitely is somebody who, if he falls into the back half of the first round, you're going to be looking at a steal. He is a pure goal scorer, and he's got so much finesse and skill to potentially be a little bit more. On the other side of things, we have at 27th on the list, Justin Barron, a defenseman from the Halifax Mooseheads. And Justin is sort of a, a bit of a fallen star in that he was a highly touted two-way defensive prospect with a pretty decent um, offensive reputation, but after some defensive struggles and then a blood clot that sidelined him for several months, you know, it's just been a bit of a, a bit of a trial by fire for Justin, who at first blush, I would say, looks to be a really solid top four prospect. Some things I noticed from him are that he definitely likes to shoot a lot and he does take a lot of point shots, which I'm not always a big fan of just because, you know, point shots are are hit or miss and in the NHL, point shooting is not as common as it used to be. So I kind of wanted to see what else he was capable of and I did see him, you know, spearheading some offensive zone entries. I did see some pretty good lateral skating and his vision and distribution both seem to be pretty good. He's definitely comfortable feeding his teammates and kind of drifting around the offensive zone to create more... Uh, opportunities for his line mates and himself to get into good shooting lanes. I was not able to get a look at his defensive game, but I did hear that a lot of folks were kind of panning it, so we're just going to have to kind of take that as one thing that he may need to work on going forward. I think for now, though, probably the biggest thing is going to be getting back into game shape, especially after a blood clot, because um, that can really put you out of commission and basically... Uh, really devastate you physically for a long time. We know that guys like Vasilevsky had a pretty decently long uh, rehab process and the same for Steven Stamkos because, you know, blood clots can be potentially fatal if they're not treated and taken care of immediately. If Baron is able to return to full health, I like his uh, I like his acumen as like a top four defenseman and I don't think that he would be like an elite high-end top four defenseman. I think he's more like a number four on the second pair. He's a pretty good skater. He's got, you know, generally good IQ. I think his offensive zone instincts are smart. His slap shot and spatial awareness, as well as his timing to get into the specific shooting lanes when his teammates open up, I think that that makes him a very effective attacker. He just seems to check off a lot of the boxes for what you want on, like, a two-way offensive defenseman and a puck mover, so I feel like as far as, like, a late first-round pick goes, you're really not going to be upset with nabbing him just because... He has a lot of the tool sets and traits that you would want from somebody of his kind of player type. I think it's probably a lot to expect him to be a top four blue liner, but, you know, maybe a third pairing guy, I could definitely see that, and there's plenty of value in getting a third pairing puck moving D. In a lot of cases, you know, depth guys get overlooked, but having that ability to be an offensive catalyst and be able to cleanly transition zones, even in like a 5 or 6 D role, is something that you definitely can't overrate. His ceiling may not be the highest, and he's definitely a bit of a question mark after his injuries, but, you know, somebody that I I wouldn't mind giving a first round pick, especially in the latter part of that first round, uh, wouldn't mind spending that. Though I think you could definitely get him later based on the fact that he's probably going to fall out of the first round. Drafting prospects that are risky can always end in disappointment, but one thing that definitely doesn't end in disappointment is cracking open a Built Bar. Built Bars are the only protein bars that taste like a candy bar, coated in a dark chocolate outer shell and filled with a nice, soft, flavorful filling. They have almost 20 to 25 flavors to choose from, 8 of which are nut-free, so if you've got any nut allergens, don't worry, Built Bar has your back. You might be wondering if they've sacrificed the taste for nutritional value, and I can assure you that it actually has both in spades. Built Bars clock in at 150 calories or less with 5 grams or or less of fat and around 30% of your daily protein intake. If you're looking for that right balance between a good tasting protein bar and something that doesn't really break your caloric bank, Built Bar was made for you. If you want to take the plunge and see what they've got, check out their sampler box of around 10 or so flavors and be sure to use promo code LOCKEDON at BuiltBar.com for $10 off your first order. Again, that's promo code LOCKEDON for $10 off your first order at BuiltBar.com. Up next on our list of prospects, at 28th overall, is Ridley Gregg, a center, although I think Elite Prospects has him as a left wing, from the Brandon Wheat Kings. Gregg is sort of this really versatile all-around player who combines a lot of different really good foundations, um, but I think what sticks out is that he doesn't really have like a bunch of elite-level skills or traits. What he does have is a bunch of stuff that is really good, his skating is pretty nice. I feel like his top end speed doesn't really have the elite, you know, pace that you're looking for from like a high end forward. But he does have uh, good enough acceleration and a strong stride that lets him get into whatever spaces he needs to. So you know, he he may not have like an extremely explosive stride that lets him hit like a top gear in the Nikolai Ehlers vein. But Greg is still a very strong skater all around. He's also really confident in his stick handling, and I feel like his passing and vision are both very strong. He has like a lot of traits that he can do things very cleanly, you know, whether it's digging through a couple of defenders and creating spaces for his line mates, laying off a, a difficult pass to get a bit of a, maybe a goalie screen or something going. He's also happy to sort of harass the goalie around the net and try for a greasier goal. He'll go behind the net and try to look for a passing lane, you know, either side of the net. He'll also do some cross-team passing. There's just a lot of different areas of the ice that he'll attack, and he's very comfortable getting into the grindy areas and trying to work the puck around. I I did see that somebody thought he had like top 6 potential, and I feel like that is possible, but I feel like generally speaking, he's more middle six or bottom six because there's just not yet a sign of like a really elite finish or a high-end skating ability, or, you know, another trait that makes him an elite-level prospect. That doesn't mean that he's a bad prospect at all. I just think that he's probably more on the depth side of things unless his frame fills out and he starts to add a few more tricks up his sleeve. He strikes me as a safer pick, and that's probably why a number of scouting agencies have kind of dropped him a little bit to more like the second round. If you get him outside of the first round, I think you'll be very happy because the foundational package that he does have is something very strong to build on. He's definitely a very smart player and he's somebody who makes the right passes and seems to know the right spaces where he can get an offensive opportunity, especially around the net. If he can add a little bit of so-called trickiness to his game, I think that that is something that would really help him elevate his game to another level and something that could be more translatable to the NHL. The last guy that we're going to talk about tonight is probably somebody that's going to be more on the favorite side from Jets fans because this one is Seth Jarvis, a center and winger from the Portland Winterhawks. Now, Jarvis is an offensive dynamo in front of the net. He's undersized, which is kind of a theme with a lot of Portland's high-scoring forwards, and he's also supremely skilled. He's kind of in the mold of like a Skylar McKenzie or a Nick Patan. He's got that really vicious passing and vision that just makes him such a dynamic threat no matter where he is in the offensive zone. He's able to drift between defenders with relative ease because he's got very smooth edge work, and I feel like he's got a fairly deceptive and nasty release. I mean, every time he just springs a shot from anywhere from you know his right-handed side, it just seems to blow by goalies with almost no pressure whatsoever but he's also somebody who will interchange positions and kind of rotate around in the offensive zone to create more opportunities for himself, because all he wants to do is either set his linemates up to score or score himself. He's just a complete attacker, and he has that little bit of finesse that makes him different from some of the other prospects we've talked about tonight. I can see him being a pint-sized terror, and he's like another one of these the types and uh, another Nick Patan type who possess these immense offensive skills, even if their size and stature is maybe not quite the prototypical NHL player size. I actually think that works to his advantage because I feel like defenders don't always know where he is positionally, and so that allows him to slip in between coverages and get into those really high-danger offensive opportunity areas. Seth is one of those guys who I feel like will be an absolute menace if he's allowed to grow and develop into the kind of player that he could be at the NHL level. You will take a bit of a risk on him just because he is a smaller guy, but I feel like it's not that much of a risk, folks. I mean, plenty of undersized NHLers carve out really effective offensive careers, uh, and it's becoming increasingly frequent. What I think most stands in the way of him becoming an NHLer is a team believing in him. You know, Calgary might be the kind of team that I think would take this kind of player. However, if the Jets end up drafting late in the first round or something, I really hope that they take a look at him, just because I feel like he's got all of the skill sets to be a successful attacker at the pro level. On the next episode, we're going to kind of pick back up, and the next player we're going to talk about is Ryan O'Rourke, and then Luke Evangelista, and after that we'll move to a different ranking system and check out some second round talents that might be available late for the Jets if they're still picking them. Hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Be sure to uh, like and subscribe on whatever platform you're using. And before you log off, be sure to check out our Locked On NHL National podcast hosted by Sarah Avampado. Thank you so much for listening. Have a great night and go Jets go.